0: Welcome to Hormonally Yours with the Hormone Dietitian. If you're a busy woman struggling with hormonal issues like PCOS, fertility struggles, and other hormone imbalances, and you feel like you're the boss of your life in every area but your hormones, then you're in the right place. I'm your host, Melissa Groves Azaro, integrative women's health dietitian, coffee lover, cat lady, all black wearing, former New York City advertising exec turned professional period fairy. It's my mission to be the no BS, hormone nutrition education resource for smart women struggling with hormone imbalances so you can have regular symptom-free periods and optimize your fertility naturally. I'm here to share real, actionable, science-based tips you can use to get real results without cutting out foods, spending hours in the gym or meal prepping, and without losing sleep, because we're all about balance here at The Hormone Dietitian, and I am so glad you're here. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Hormonally Yours with the Hormone Dietitian. One of the most common reasons people want to work with a PCOS dietitian is because they want to lose weight. But when you're dealing with PCOS, weight loss is not as easy as calories in, calories out, or being told to just lose weight. There are a lot of factors that affect the ability to even lose weight with PCOS. So today I wanted to bring in a guest expert who has a whole program built around exactly how to lose weight with PCOS. Corey Ruth is a registered dietitian nutritionist and women's health expert. Corey is the founder and principal of The Women's Dietitian and Instagram account at The Women's Dietitian, a private practice and digital platform for women seeking nutrition support for hormone imbalance, PCOS, fertility, and weight management. She specializes in PCOS and nutrition therapy for infertility and assisted reproductive technology, Corey is also the creator of the successful online programs, Get Pregnant with PCOS and the PCOS Boss Academy. It is through these programs that she is able to help countless women on their journeys to weight loss and fertility with PCOS. Recently, Corey has launched a PCOS supplement and protein powder line called Vita PCOS to further support women with PCOS symptom management. So let's dive in. Hey, Corey. I am so glad you are here to talk with me today. Uh, Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about who you are and what you do?
1: Yes. uh, Super happy to be here today to talk to you, Melissa. I know we've, we've known each other, I guess it feels like for years on the gram, and this is such an exciting addition to your business. So I'm really happy to be a part of it. Uh, So my name is Corey Ruth. I am a registered dietitian like Melissa, um, and I work in women's health. I mostly focus on hormone balance, um, PCOS, fertility um, and weight management. So that's what I do. That's who I am. And I am the owner um, and founder of the Women's Dietitian. Awesome. Thank
0: you. And yeah, it's been, it feels like it's been a decade, but we both started our businesses around the same time and in the same niche. And so, you know, really have kind of gotten to know each other behind the scenes. Um, so it's, it's really great cause cause we've always had someone to reach out to and vent to sometimes when it's like, Hey, what are you doing about this situation? <laughs> Exactly.
1: It's so nice to have someone in the same space that understands.
0: <laughs> yes. it's weird. I, so few people in my life actually understand what I do um, for a living. So, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, unlike me, um, you started getting into working with PCOS because it's something that you struggle with yourself. So can you talk a little bit about your personal experience with PCOS? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I have PCOS. I had like clues that I had it, um, but I really didn't, just like a lot of people, I didn't know what it was. Um, And I didn't get my diagnosis until, I mean, official diagnosis until mid to late twenties when I'd been experiencing issues since I was basically went through puberty. So another example of, you know, how difficult it can be to get answers as someone who has PCOS also, you know, and we can talk about this later, but we kind of, we talk a lot about types of PCOS and honestly you can drift, you know, back and forth. I mean, at one point in my life, when I was on birth control and at the height of my misunderstanding, you know, when it comes to hormone balance and PCOS in my own body, um, and nutrition really at all. Um, I was at my, my heaviest weight. And now if I, I I guarantee you, if I walked into a doctor's office, I would get, you know, the lean PCOS label when it always hasn't, it hasn't always been that way. So it's kind of PCOS is, you know, kind of more fluid and, um, symptoms can change and kind of wax and wane. So ever since I was, uh, I think I I first got my period when I was 13, I think and it was just all over the place. It would come, I'd have two bleeds a month. I would go months without it. It would, you know, it was always random. And I was always just absolutely like, astounded when I heard girlfriends say, Oh, well, my period is going to come tomorrow. And I would say, How do you know that? And they're like, Well, it comes every day, at, or every day, it comes every month at this time. And I'm like, Wait a minute, what? Like, I was just dumbfounded because mine was so random. I could never tell what was going on. And it really affected you know, my moods, because all of a sudden I would be in this like horrible mood or crying or whatever. And I, and I, then my period would would start, but I would have no idea that it was coming. So I felt like a crazy person because I didn't have a grip on what was going on hormone wise. So that was, that's always been for me, my biggest PCOS symptom. Of course, then when they did an ultrasound, they found all the little, you know, tiny immature little underdeveloped follicles on my ovaries, AKA cysts. Um, and then when I was, um, looking into, you know, uh, eventually starting a family, they did blood work and like routine stuff. And they found that my AMH was like, I don't know, like 36, 56, some crazy number. So yeah, they, at that point, finally diagnosed me with PCOS. Not that that's a diagnostic criteria, but you know, everything came together there. So yeah, something that I've always struggled with.
0: Yeah. So, you know, talking about some of the root causes and the types of PCOS. So it sounds like you you were diagnosed based on the two criteria of the cysts on the ovaries and the irregular cycles. So for you, um, do you struggle with high testosterone or high adrenal androgens?
1: No, I don't. I don't have um, elevated androgens. I've had like high normal DHEAS but that's again, you know, kind of pointing, mine is very stress driven when I'm stressed, my cycle all over the place. So, and I've just, you know, I don't have a control as much control over that. Um, as I would like, so yeah, that's kind of where mine, but when you know, um, like I said, when I was at kind of the height of everything, when I didn't understand what was happening, it was really at its worst, um, you know, in ovulation really not happening at all. So um now it's on at least a more semi consistent schedule you know I'm not perfect No, know it is but um but I have so much better of a grip on it than I ever have
0: Yeah and I mean I know a little bit about your background so and I also can relate um I think a lot of people don't realize how strenuous the nutrition curriculum is when you are in school for that. I mean, it was probably the the worst shape I was in in my life was when I was going through my nutrition program, like ironically, because you're so sedentary and it's, you know, I felt like like a brain in a jar most most days. <laughs> it was like I'm I'm not even a body. What do I need a body for? I'm just a brain. Because you're you're just trying to cram so much in and then you know, especially during the internship year too, where it's you know you're driving all over creation, you're working 15-hour days. It's like you don't have time to exercise or meal prep, and you're broke, so it's like oh, you're
1: yeah, that part. Yeah, eating
0: peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in the car on your way to your oh. rotation. so hot
1: dogs yeah. with corn was mine. Huh. I up corn with hot dogs. That was what I ate. I swear to God, it was awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah,. Four.
0: Yeah, I did a lot of beans and rice, lentils and rice with maybe some frozen broccoli thrown in or frozen spinach. It was like, woo, we're living, we're having a vegetable today. And thank goodness for those rotations that give you free food, right?
1: Yes, (laughs) totally. Oh my gosh, yes. Good times.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so you've you've shared um, that picture of you from those days and it was around that time before you had been diagnosed and really understood what was happening.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I have others. I was going to go actually to my mom's house and thumb through her photo books. I'm like, I need another other ones. Yeah, yeah. And I think you know, it's so
0: interesting what you were talking about. How back then, you know, if you had been diagnosed at that point, it would have been more of a traditional, classic PCOS presentation, whereas now you know you're managing it and i talk i talk about this with clients all the time because once you start to manage things and you're getting more regular periods and maybe the cysts are disappearing and maybe your testosterone's coming down to a normal level it's like if you walked into a doctor's office today you might not even get a pcos diagnosis right
1: yeah could happen totally
0: yeah. On the other hand, then you see those influencers out there talking about how I cured my PCOS and it doesn't exist anymore. And I, I really don't think that's the case. I think if you were to stop doing all of the things that you are doing to manage your PCOS, it would just come raging back.
1: Oh, 100%. And I think PCOS can be misdiagnosed. I see a lot of women, not a lot, but I've seen women who have really what's hypothalamic amenorrhea. And they're diagnosed with PCOS and then they're like, oh, I gained weight. And then my PCOS was cured. I'm like, "Mm, (laughs) actually, you never had PCOS. Yeah,
0: I had one in my DMs the other day asking me about being diagnosed in her early teens with PCOS. And now she went off the pill and now everything is normal again. And what do I think about that? And it's like, well, first of all, I can't diagnose, so I can't have this conversation with you. But like, you know, I suspect she was misdiagnosed as a teen because polycystic ovaries can happen for a number of reasons, Um, one of them being puberty, you know? So so I, I think it's good that people are getting diagnosed earlier. On the other hand, it can result in some sort of, you know, not quite right, Diagnoses.
1: Exactly. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely those cases that you have to do some deeper digging into. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, what are some of the main reasons why it's so hard to lose weight when you have PCOS?
1: There's a lot of reasons. And I'll go over kind of more of the hormone factors first. But the studies, different studies show that as many as 80% of us are either overweight or classified as obese. And for a lot of us, and not all, but for many of us carrying around that extra weight can make our symptoms worse, potentially. Everybody's different. But some of the factors that can make it harder for those of us with PCOS to lose weight are those hormonal ones. So elevated androgens, which are our male sex hormones, those can potentially increase insulin resistance and insulin resistance, higher levels of insulin can shoot our appetites way, way, way up. It increased cravings for things like carbohydrates and sugar, preventing fat burning, can promote the fat, the growth of fat cells, and then also elevated cortisol. A lot of us deal with cortisol issues and cortisol is our stress hormone, and that can potentially slow down our metabolism and kind of make our bodies want to hold on to weight and not let it go. Um, And then if you think about some of the other factors kind of outside of that, that can play a role, you know, because of the insulin issues, we we can have more cravings. You hear all the time about women PCOS having more intense cravings that can obviously make it harder to lose weight. We're battling really intense, you know, physiological desires and, you know, needs to fulfill that. Um, A lot of us deal with fatigue, energy level issues that can make our bodies, you know, kind of crave more calorie dense foods because our bodies are like, I need fuel. I need energy. Um, a lot of us deal with anxiety and depression, emotional eating can, you know, there's all kinds of factors that can play into that kind of aside from the separate hormonal ones. But I think it's so important to to kind of, Understand, you know, and and take the sh- the blame off. You know, when you have PCOS, probably, and, and if you're looking for weight management, when you go to the doctors, the first thing you're going to be told is, okay, just lose weight. It's not that simple, and it's not easy. And I think it's so feels so horrible and I've been there <laughs> to be told that when it, you're fighting so hard for that and you're getting nowhere because you're not given the right tools you know we as women with PCOS we can't just walk into a gym and talk to a personal trainer and they're going to give us a diet plan right it's not going to work for us so we have to find something that's unique to PCOS and that addresses all of these hormonal issues before we go that weight loss route and also just, you know, taking the blame off of ourselves and saying, you know, the, a part of my PCOS is driving this. This is not me being lazy. This is not me not being motivated or not trying hard enough. I mean, I've seen clients literally st- starving themselves, getting nowhere um, with it. So I think it's really important to give ourselves that grace. Um, you know, in this setting, because it's such a sensitive subject. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm here to talk about it. <laughs> because it's such a sensitive subject and I've been there a thousand percent. I've been there. So I understand, you know, kind of being on both sides, what it feels like.
0: Yeah. I talk about a lot of the same root causes with people. Um, you know, the insulin resistance itself, besides, being the thing that is fueling those insane cravings for carbs and sugar. It's also impossible to lose weight when your body is in a state of insulin resistance because, you know, and I know that, you know, we basically metabolically exist in two states, either the fed state or the fasted state. And that that fasted state is the only time we can tap into our energy stores, AKA stored fat and burn that for fuel. And so when your insulin is always high, it tricks your body into thinking that you just ate a big meal, even though you are literally hungry and your cells are literally starving. Right.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then,
0: you know, the inflammation too. And, you know, there's so much research on, oh, just lose weight with PCOS. And yeah, so I think, you know, there's a lot of factors that can make it hard to lose weight with PCOS. And a lot of reasons why, um, you know, we've talked about the insulin resistance, the inflammation, gut microbiome disturbances, you know, our gut microbiome does so much for us in terms of metabolism and blood sugar regulation. And then all the psychological stuff, the mood and depression and anxiety and body image issues. You know, and, and also the whole idea that calories in, calories out just doesn't work in the context of these very complicated hormonal imbalances that are happening. So I think, you know, this part of the reason why you and I do what we do because, you know, women are getting like a bum rap out there when they're told, oh, just do this and lose weight. Yeah, totally. So true. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I think, I think some of the things, some of the, the particular strategies that I've heard out there, oh, you should just do it in, you know, intermittent fasting or you should just do keto. Um, you know, why, why would that not work for PCOS?
1: So, with the keto, I'll start there. We do have research that keto can work for women with PCOS, and we see that working really fast. So before all y'all just like hop on the keto diet, <laughs> wait, um, because the keto to be actually truly in a ketogenic state is hard and actually not, I, I, I don't have an exact stat, but I want to say it's like less than 10%. I have to, I have to pull that up, but of people who think they're following the keto diet are actually doing it correctly and in this ketogenic state. It's really restrictive. It's very difficult to do. And as we've just talked about, PCOS, you have it for life. There is no cure, you can only manage it. So the minute that you stop managing your PCOS, what comes back with a vengeance? Your PCOS symptoms. So getting on the keto diet can work for a short amount of time. And that's really my beef with any restrictive diet is, yeah, they can work, sure. But do you really want something that you're going to fall off and on the hamster and kind of get back on that hamster wheel continuously? No, we want a solution for life. We want something that's going to work for us. We don't want to be in deprivation. We don't want to cut out entire food groups that we love, you know. We don't want to cut out dairy. I, who like ice cream and cheese? Hello. We don't want to cut out gluten completely. I mean, these are things that we can absolutely 100% have as one with PCOS, but these really crazy restrictive diets are unsustainable. And that's, that's the problem with them because we need something for the long-term. Same thing with intermittent fasting. You know, I, I talk about this a lot. The majority of intermittent fasting studies are done on men. And, you know, fine, men go, you know, intermittent fast or hard out, great, go have a ball. But for women, you know, especially women of reproductive age, our, our sex hormones have to feel safe in order to properly function. And so when, we, when we're fasting, our body goes into stress mode. And that makes everything with PCOS worse and our bodies don't feel so safe. And so yes, it might work for a short amount of time, but also it's really unrealistic to continue something like intermittent fasting long-term you have specific eating windows. I mean, if you go to dinner party and it's not in your eating window, are you really just going to sit there and starve? That's not, that's not living. And we have to live when we have PCOS, right? I mean, this is a chronic lifelong condition and we've got to manage it the best way that we can. So Try it out. Fine. Like if you want to t- test it out, but I, I mean, so many people who wind up on my doorstep wanting to take my programs and become, you know, one-on-one clients have gone through that. They've done that dance and it's never been something they can sustain long-term. You know, I ask every person who comments on, you know, a post like that about the keto diet. I say, you know what, you know, Mary, whatever your name is, why don't you come to my page in, in, you know, or, or here's my personal phone number. Why don't you call me in 10 years? And I want you to tell me if you're still on the ketogenic diet, I guarantee you, you won't be. So that's, that's the issue with those is the sustainability piece. When you lose a lot of weight really fast, it's not so great for your body. Your body is shocked and you need to go slower. And I never teach weight loss. That's, you know, Some people do lose weight faster than others. That's the nature of just weight loss and people's own metabolisms and bodies. And yes, I'll talk about that on my page for that person. But I never say, you know, here's my program to help you lose 12 pounds a day. You know, that's not what I do, (laughs) nor should I. So it's really, you know, sustainability and, and maintenance long term.
0: Yeah, I love when people come on my page and start quoting, you know, that keto study in PCOS and there's one keto study and yeah, uh, the results were pretty miraculous, like testosterone dropped like 400% or something like that. It was just really, really impressive results. But if you actually read the study, it was 12 women and only five of them completed it And it was a pilot study in like 1988. And they never did a follow up study because the completion rate of the study was so poor. You know, less than 50% of women completed the study. And it was only like six months long. It was not.
1: The duration was.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. I think it's also, you know, cuz we both we we both fight pretty hard against the myth that you have to cut out gluten and dairy to lose weight with PCOS. Um and I think there can be a little confusion because of the lack of nuance in social media. Neither you nor I are telling people to go out and eat an all cheese diet or to eat, you know, three sandwiches a day and expect to manage your PCOS symptoms while you're doing that. So can you talk about that? Like the idea that you don't have to cut it out, but there's still room for it.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, I, I get asked like a lot about that with other foods too. Like if I'm saying, oh, I recommend, um, salmon for, you know, omega-3 fatty acids. Well, how much salmon should I eat? How often, when should I eat it? I, you know, all those questions and with foods, there's really no, like you must eat three berries a day for this. It's, it's just too, it's too nuanced, too complex for that. So on the flip side, on the other side, you know, looking at something like gluten and dairy I, I never recommend eating anything, you know, three times a day, every single day. Nothing on earth. I mean, variety is key, and variety is a spice of life, just life in general, and also nutrition-wise, what's on our plate. Um, so, you know, including these things in moderation. It, it's all about balance. So, and I get asked, you know, I, I tell my clients this too, when we're going over um, when I create these customized eating guidelines for them, and they're like, oh my gosh honey, there's honey on here. I can have honey with PCOS. Of course you can eat anything you want. Would I tell you to eat a cup of honey a day? And I don't know why I would, but no, but can you have a tablespoon of honey in your marinade for your salmon filet that you're making for dinner? Of course. So, you know, we have to be realistic. And I think that's the biggest issue, you know, with nutrition and people not understanding this concept of moderation. And so many people want to go all in they want to go super hardcore and i trust me i've been there before i became a dietitian it's really attractive it's 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 attractive to do that it's like oh i'm it, you know it's like taking on a new persona i'm you know i'm gluten dairy soy you know sugar free now mm-hmm, like pink is up and and they take this on and then they fall off because it's just not It's not something that you want to be doing forever and ever and ever. And it's not sustainable again. And um, it's not enjoyable. And life is about joy and balance. So you can have it all. When you have PCOS, you can have it all. But there's a way to go about that to still manage your PCOS and your weight effectively and not go Mm crazy.
0: Yeah. I don't know why it is that people define themselves by their diets. It's like
1: Mm -hmm. they
0: really identify with the group and just... (laughs) Yes. Yeah, they become so so married to the idea. And you know, I think I think we've all kind of gone through that in some way or another, you know, whether it's a vegetarian diet or paleo or eating twelve hundred calories a day. And, you know, I don't know now, you know, and maybe I'm it's just because I'm older and I know better now, but like now my response when I hear someone who says something like, Oh, I never eat sugar, is like How sad for you! Like I'm really sad
1: for you. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I know. It's interesting how it's like a badge of honor, you know. And it's it's nutrition is an interesting field to work in because, like, like my partner, he's an arborist. Like he'll climb trees. He's a firefighter. He'll fight fire. Not everybody fights fire all day long or climbs, you know, big tall trees and cuts them down. Everybody eats. So, everybody has an opinion on what you're eating, what they're eating you know it, it's very interesting to work in this space, I think, and I know you can probably agree,
0: yeah, everyone becomes an expert, or you know they watched a few Netflix documentaries or a few YouTube videos, and they it's like we are we are not the same, you know
1: right. right exactly yeah and i I caution clients too, and you know my followers on social like be careful even for you know what your doctor says about your diet. Doctors are brilliant, there's no denying that, but they take one class of nutrition, they're not nutrition experts, they need to defer out. So, you know, a lot of people saying, Well, my doctor told me to go on the keto diet, my doctor told me to cut out gluten. It's like, well, what? Like <laughs> they're not the experts, registered dietitians. Are, are truly the specialists in this field, and I, I really wish there was more of a connect there. But, anyways,
0: <laughs> yeah, no my my first post I've, I've had three posts where I've had to shut comments off, um, <laughs> and the first post that happened on was "Do not take nutrition advice from a rich white thin man."
1: Oh, I remember that one. I think I reposted that. Yes, I
0: loved it. Yeah, you know, like you're you're looking at these men who for sure are not preparing their own food and you know they've got all these like you know hand milked grass-fed cow who gets daily massages and it's like okay that's not realistic for most folks you know and it it harkens back to what we were talking about before where most studies are done on men and you know it's like you know I, i know with my dad you know, my mom will switch his beer from regular beer to light beer and he'll lose 10 pounds in a week. And it's just, you know, men, men are simple, um, which is why I enjoy working with women's health because it's complicated and it's
1: more interesting. So true. I know. If, if you ever have clients who are on like your eating plan and they're like, oh, well, my partner's doing it with me or my husband or whatever. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Well, he lost 35 pounds this month and I lost two welcome to being a woman. (laughs) It's so much harder.
0: Yeah. And then it, then, you know, maybe the day before your period, it's like, oh, now I'm down a total of 0.5 pounds. Yeah, exactly.
1: So true. It's like hang
0: tight. It'll, it'll even out next week. I promise. Yes. So true. So, you know, with it being so hard to lose weight with PCOS, is it, is it just hopeless? Like, should people give up on even
1: trying? No. I've heard a lot in my career that, you know, the diets don't work thing. And, you know, there's some truth to that. There's some truth to that. And we've talked about that with the keto diet intermittent fasting, why I don't feel that that works over time. But the reality is, is if I take on a client and her goal is to lose 50 pounds and she doesn't lose those 50 pounds, she's guess what might have improved her sleep, her libido, her, uh, strength, her muscle tone, her, you know, mood, all these things have improved. And we can absolutely factor in those markers as success. And she might have lost some weight. You know, there's all that argument about, well, most people who do diets regain the weight and more. I've heard that one a lot. That could be true, but they've probably garnered so much healthier habits in doing that. If they, if they've done a program that is not, you know, one of those crazy, insane, restrictive, I I'm not talking about those talking about things that are realistic, manageable, doable, sustainable. They've likely they're eating more vegetables now. Okay, so you can still gain weight and be eating a lot of vegetables. I mean, a lot of times they are not looking at other things like cardiovascular health, you know, preventing diabetes. There's so many things that can also be success and wins, even if someone doesn't keep off the 50 pounds for the rest of their lives. And weight is, you know, a lot of us fluctuate. Like, I mean, my weight, I mean, sometimes I'm lower, sometimes I'm higher, but I've still integrated in so many healthier habits in what I'm eating that promotes, you know, better heart health, liver health than I ever did before when I had no grip on anything nutrition wise. So I think there's, you know, truth and myth to to some of those claims in regards to answering your question directly. Absolutely not. You should give up. I mean, there's so much to work on in a way that's, um, that's manageable and totally doable. Um, when I first opened up my practice, I thought, okay, not okay. So I'm never going to work with women with PCOS who want to lose weight. It's too hard. I swear I would have clients on the same diet. The women without PCOS would be losing, 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 losing. And the women with PCOS would be literally stuck at the same space. And that was before I really dove in and, you know, took the time to understand what was going on, how to change my approach. But it, it is really hard if you're not learning it from someone who is specialized in PCOS. So if you're looking into weight loss or weight management, whatever you want to call it, go for something and you have PCOS, it is essential to do this from someone who specializes in PCOS, because you have to take in all the other factors. Like we've talked about the hormones, the androgens, the insulin, the cortisol, um, the fatigue, the mood, you know, the cravings, all of this stuff makes a huge difference. So it's definitely possible and it's possible to do it still eating the foods that you want to eat. It's just how, and finding the right person to work with.
0: Yeah, I love that you brought up that study that gets quoted all over social media that 95% of diets fail. Because if you go and you look at that study, again, it's a really old study and it's it's been debunked, you know, and there's more recent research and more robust research showing that sort of what you were saying that people who engage in sustainable weight loss approaches actually do do have success and do maintain. um, It's those crash diets or those fad diets that are resulting in failure, not a healthy, balanced, sustainable approach to weight loss. You know, that being said, we can never really control what the scale is gonna do or not do, right? So I love that you also talk about some of those um, non-scale victories that people experience. You know, I definitely, See the more energy right away, fewer cravings, less bloating, like they're just feeling better, you know, just for making those changes, like eating more vegetables and focusing on protein and not eating an all-carb diet, you know? Exactly.
1: Yeah. I yeah. I can I can remember when in that time that we talked about where that photo comes from on my site going to the doctor because I was so tired. I, I literally thought that I was dying. Like I thought something was seriously wrong with me at every test run under the sun. And if I look back now, I can say, Oh my gosh, I was probably dealing with horrible blood sugar management, horrible stress, horrible sleep. I was in college. Um, I was eating pretty much like an all carb diet plus beer all the time. So I, and I, I really thought I was dying. I thought something was wrong with me, seriously wrong. And that fatigue is so real And all of those factors play a huge role in how we're feeling overall. It's not just the number on the scale. It's how we're feeling at that weight. Like my body wasn't happy in that weight. And that's okay for me to say, because that was literally what I experienced. So coming down from that, I've never experienced any kind of fatigue like that ever again. Um, It was scary. And uh, everyone has their own, you know, comfortable, what they feel that they feel their best in. And it's okay to acknowledge that. And, you know, from my end, it's okay to wanna work towards goals where you feel better.
0: Hey there. So before we get back to the rest of the episode, I just wanted to pop in real quick and tell you about a new workshop I've put together called PCOS Meal Prep Made Easy. If you're like most folks I hear from, you're confused and overwhelmed by all the conflicting info out there about what to actually eat with PCOS. And you may feel like you don't even know where to start. In this hour-long workshop, I break down what foods you want to include for PCOS and what you might want to consider avoiding or minimizing. And I share my simple three-step formula for planning meals with PCOS. The best part is it does not involve spending hours in the kitchen. Yes, you can absolutely incorporate this formula while cooking at home, but what's really great is that you can apply it no matter where you are in a restaurant, getting takeout, at a family meal, or even while traveling. Head over to thehormonedietitian.com forward slash easy PCOS, all one word, to sign up now. Signing up is your first step to finally understanding how to eat to manage PCOS. All right, cool, I'll see you there. Let's get back to the episode. You know, one of the, one of the things you know, and I know you've talked about this on your page is ultimately you do have to be in a calorie deficit in order to lose weight. But I think the way that you approach it is very similar to the way that I do, which is it's like, yes, that deficit has to be there, but other things matter, matter more, you know, and I would rather have someone add you know, a cheese stick to their crackers than to eat the crackers alone, even though technically they're adding calories because it's what's keeping the blood sugar balanced and that's what makes more of a difference. I still see so many people focused on just the calories portion of it though, eating like those diet candies and things like that.
1: Yeah, it's weight loss is not all calories and calories all. Calories are not the end all be all, You do have to be in a deficit in order to lose weight, but your hormones and your PCOS is going to be extremely pissed off at you um, if you're not doing that correctly while also at the same time focusing on blood sugar balance. So my programs and the way that I work focus on both. I mean, I've had a lot of experience working in this field, having clients just following my plate method, and they rarely lose any weight, which... That's fine if that's what their goal was, but a lot of them wanted to. So once we add in the calorie piece, then they start losing the weight because they're eating better. They're balancing their blood sugar and they're in a calorie deficit. It's kind of this perfect harmony that comes together. And I don't ever, you know, teach macro counting. Um, Really, it's just, um, you know, kind of plate method stuff and calories, so not getting too into the nitty gritty of, you know, calculating every single gram, of you know, this or that. So, yeah, yeah, I also
0: find sometimes it's not about the food. If they're doing everything right and their periods aren't coming back and they're not losing weight, it's like, okay, you're sleeping four hours a night, you know, all broken up. It's not even four continuous hours. Um, you're working, you know, 60 hour weeks. You're you know, taking on (laughs) everybody. I
1: know.
0: I know. I'm calling calling my own self out here a little bit. Um, That's not true. Um, I sleep like a rock star. That is my one thing that it's like (laughs) (laughs) all of my boundaries are around sleep. It's like I am not doing any meetings after 8 p.m. at night. I am going to bed by 10 p.m. Like, Yeah, that one one I've got dialed in. The cortisol, cortisol is another another whole story. But um, do you talk about the lifestyle piece with your clients and your students as well?
1: Yeah, so stress is a huge one. You know, like I think you hit the nail on the head. If you're working 60-hour weeks, you know, even if you're at your ideal body weight, again, your PCOS is going to be pissed at you. And it's going to show up as any of those symptoms that you're annoyed by, you're frustrated by, you're upset by. So stress reduction, digestion, lots of research about digestion in our microbiome, you know, bacteria wise, um, inflammation, exercise is a huge one, movement. You know, we we always think of exercise, going to the gym, you know, sweating it out, losing weight. There is a huge stress reduction and mood benefit to exercise that I think is lost on a lot of us until we get into that groove. Um, and that can, if you're not, if you're just sitting all day long, that can be doing your hormones such a disservice. So the the movement piece is huge. Also, I would say those are kind of, you know, the main ones, um, you know, nutrition, movement, stress, gut health, you know, all, all of those things play a huge role when it comes to managing PCOS effectively. There's not one thing I could tell you to do. It's, it's really an intersection of all these different factors that play into your lifestyle. And I've, you know, I've, I've instructed clients to who are, who are like you described, right? Not sleeping, working insane hours, commuting like two, three hours a day to get to their job. And they're like, I don't understand why, you know, I'm not losing weight or why my PCOS is so horrible. It's so hard to do any of those, you know, beneficial, positive lifestyle changes with when you've got when your life looks like that. So I've even gone as so far as to counsel clients. You know what, you should probably, you know, I can't tell you what to do, but I'm going to give you my honest opinion. You might want to think about getting a a different job that's closer to home where you're not, where, you know, you're working, you know, less than 40 hours a week. I'm sorry. Like there, there's just sacrifices that you need to make sometimes. And you've got to be honest with yourself. You know, what's, what's keeping me back from being my best health. What, what it, what is, and being, being totally honest with yourself. I've had to do it. I've taken the lead. That's a privilege. Not everyone can do that. But if you do have the opportunity to switch a job that's killing you from a stress standpoint, please consider that if at all possible, because your health might depend on it and your PCOS management might depend on it. And if you're ever trying to, you know, get your period back or get pregnant, you know, the fertility piece too, and the stress connection huge. Um, that's something that you might want to consider if you can.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, I t- completely burned my life to the ground and became an RD at forty, <laughs> yeah. um, And it was exactly that reason. I mean, eventually you get to a point where you're you're doing all this work for somebody else, you know, somebody else's benefit. And you really have to ask yourself, well, how much longer am I willing to put my own health last? you know, mental, physical, whatever is going on for you, you know, for what? So your company can make a slightly bigger profit. Like you're just you're just a cog and you're just being used. And I see probably the hardest one um to work with is my folks who are nurses. You know, and it's like
1: it's anyone. Yeah. It's such a
0: sacrifice and they're working night shifts and there's Ample research on the negative impacts of shift work on fertility markers and fertility outcomes. And it's like, okay, you're telling me you want to have a baby, but you're working three night shifts a week. Like, you know, and sometimes it was this way in advertising too. Sometimes it's a matter of switching to another hospital or another company um, where the hours are better. And sometimes it is about paying your dues a little bit in order to have a position where you have a little bit more flexibility but you know when you're when you're choosing to sacrifice your own health and your own goals for your job it's really a difficult place to be in
1: so true so true and the last couple years has only exacerbated that The, the the most typical client i have is a nurse or a teacher those tend to have these huge burnout pictures, which are really hard to untangle. And I can't do that in three months. You know, we've got to dig deeper. We've got to make some, you know, make some changes. Yeah. Yeah, I
0: definitely attract folks who are similar to my previous career. I work with a lot of people in in marketing. And, you know, after a couple of months of working with me, they're like, oh, maybe there's a, another way. Maybe I should go back to school and do... X Y Z, and it's it's just it's so interesting to have influenced people in that way because you're taking this holistic view of their whole health and work is a large part of our our lives. You know, it takes up so much of our time and affects our moods and everything. Um, so yeah, you really got to think about everything when you're thinking about your health.
1: Yes, so true. Yep. And it takes a slap in the face sometimes to get there, but there it is. <laughs> yeah. So
0: on a similar topic, and I've definitely heard this feedback, is people have, you know, weight gain is pretty common right now. There were all the jokes floating around about, did you gain the COVID-19? Um, you know, are you, are you seeing that with with people being, you know, less focused on fitness And having put on excess weight that they're, you know, when you're talking about feeling not great in your body, I think people are in a different place this year than they were two years ago.
1: Totally. Yep. I do see that. And we have higher rates of anxiety and depression now, and even in kids, suicide rates for for little girls and, you know, it's all on the rise. So, yeah, I definitely do see that. And, you know, for those of us who are used to working from home, we've developed kind of our own, you know, habits on how to navigate that. And I, what I've seen is a lot of women who are used to going into the office every day are suddenly at home. And then, you know, prior to when daycares open back up, you know, we had our kids at home and. So, what I would hear a lot is women would say, Well, I've just, you know, that now that the kitchen's next to my office, I just go in there and I make myself, a you know, an extra snack or whatever to get through the stressful day. Totally get that. Um, but yeah, I have seen that a lot more in the past couple of years. And people, as a result, just, moving their bodies less also like people who would walk to work or, you know, walk to the bus stop or whatever, walk to their office door or walk up the stairs are just moving less and just kind of feeling a little bit worse in conjunction with some of the mood stuff, some of the, um, you know, some of the higher rates of anxiety, depression, I swear, almost every single client I work with has anxiety. And potentially depression, um, and they, you know, they'll list that in my intake form. But it's so common, and I, I work exclusively with women with PCOS, so it's so so common. And I think it's only gotten, you know, kind of more more commonplace since COVID hit.
0: Yeah, stress management has been a huge part of any counseling I've done in the last. Couple of years. It's just you know such a, a major focus of any session. Um, more, I mean, it always has been a topic of conversation. But I feel like you know we're just we're just fighting to keep up with the basic survival skills like feeding yourself three meals a day and showering, <laughs> and like uh, you know, that's true. Mm-hmm. that so. kind of stuff. I like to kind of spin it though into the positives. You know, I think. Working from home, definitely. I mean, I know you work from home, I work from home. For me, I feel like it gives me more opportunity to work on those healthy habits because I can make myself a warm breakfast. You know, I can make myself scrambled eggs and vegetables in the morning, and it's fantastic, you know? Um, I didn't own any exercise equipment, um, home exercise equipment two years ago, but now I do. And yeah. it's such a great option to not have to like get dressed up and drive yeah. somewhere. Yeah. and drive
1: parking and check in and change and then change again. Yeah. There's so many more conveniences there too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was kind of a trade-off. It was like, okay, we no longer have the stress of commuting, but now we're dealing with all of these other stresses like – you know, the boundaries of work life balance, and now you know if someone emails you at ten p m um are you going to respond to that email a work email at ten pm Never. yeah, I mean, I think we have to be realistic about it. I may see it at ten p m but i'm I'm not going to respond till the morning you know mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's true, yeah, yeah, and I think that I think a lot of the women now are you know, hit the hardest with like double duty was the childcare thing. And all of a sudden having to work and take care of your kids and homeschool. I mean, my daughter was a few months old when, when COVID hit. So I was in a very different position than if I had school age kids, but I honestly don't, I don't know how women did that or parents, you know, I I don't, I don't know. It's wild to me trying to think about (laughs) Doing both. I mean, I have a toddler. She's like running around screaming all the time. So maybe different than like a seven-year-old, but so crazy, so so crazy. So I think a lot of that stemmed from that too—that stress.
0: Yeah, I think we're seeing that with the number of women who've dropped out of the workforce over the last two years. It's you know, women really have been hit the hardest. Um, and I know, I know you go hard for women's rights too, and and are a single mom. So you know, just the fact that you're. You've had to manage on your own. I can't even imagine.
1: I know. <laughs> yeah. Nobody did a number for sure. It mm-hmm. was hard
0: enough having my husband here all the time <laughs>
1: right. and
0: never, ever leaving the house. Cause I'm an introvert. I'm like such a huge introvert. So I feel like the introverts were not okay. You know, we would have been okay if we were just by ourselves, but it was like our home spaces were totally invaded. Just had no space to think, no space to breathe. Um, thank goodness he's gone back to to work, work.
1: <laughs> and you guys have a bigger space now. So it's way different, I imagine.
0: Yeah, I mean, the first 14 months, um, I was work we were both working from home in a small apartment. And, you know, since May we moved into this house and I have, you know, an office in my house, which It's so nice to be able to retreat to where it's quiet.
1: (laughs) So true.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So while we're on the topic of, you know, probably I think, I think the most common thing that I hear from women besides being stressed is they're stressed because they're busy. But that doesn't mean that you have to rely on fast food or not exercise. Like what are some ways that really busy people can help build some of these habits in order to support weight loss or other goals with PCOS.
1: Yeah, I think there's just a big kind of planning ahead piece which a lot of us, you know, if you if you take 30 minutes on a Sunday and sit down and plan out, okay, I'm going to get this at the store, I'm going to prep this up. You know, you will save yourself so much time in the middle of a busy work week my number one time where I see clients stumble and my, myself too, is when we don't have anything to grab in the middle of a busy work week. We'll talk about weekends in a moment, but it's so important to have those things ready to roll, you know, on hand leftovers, reheating, you know, make it easy on yourself. Buy the pre-chopped vegetables if you can buy the frozen, Buy the, you know, make it easy. You don't need to become, you know, a, you know, a five-star chef to, make it through a busy week, but setting yourself up for success. And I talk about meal prep, you know, we think of meal prep as this like four hour long endeavor when we really want to be out and about on our Sunday. You know, it doesn't need to be like that. Meal prep can come and I, I counsel clients finding pockets of time, little pockets of time. If you've got 20 minutes, instead of scrolling through TikTok, Think about what you can chop up so that you can throw those in the oven super fast for dinner and you don't even have to think about it. So kind of divvying up that meal prep and taking the pressure off of yourself to become this like fancy chef on every Sunday where I'm going to go to the store and I'm up my menu. That's not realistic for a lot of us who are so busy. So just finding those little pockets of time, taking advantage of them, putting more conscious effort into your free time and saying, what can I do to actually get food ready to go? So that's all good to go. And then relying on things that are, you know, pre-cooked, rotisserie chickens, canned beans, you know, there's so much stigma around all that for some weird, god-awful reason. So get over that and say, yes, I'm busy. And I'm gonna take, you know, cheeks and shortcuts where I need to, because I'm human and I've got I got things to do so that's kind of one, one thing to consider. Um, yeah. And and I think also just being realistic with yourself on, you know, what you can accomplish so that you don't fall on and off the, the, the wagon and, um, you know, go, go a little at a time eating the majority of your meals and snacks at home, I think is a great way to get closer to your health goals. I've worked in enough restaurants, you know, to know exactly what we put there, uh in the back to make the food taste good. Lots of added, you know, salt and fats and sugars and flours and um and that's fine. But it's really hard to stick to to weight management goals um, and PCOS management goals when you're eating takeout all the time. You can navigate it smartly, of course, but it is it does make it easier if you're the one kind of more in control of your kitchen. So trying to eat the majority of meals and snacks that you're making yourself, which you don't have to get fancy, you know, put together the basics, pick a protein, pick a veg, pick a carb, boom, done, dinner done. You don't have to like cook these fancy recipes. So that's another way to kind of fast track you to success there, I think.
0: Yeah, I always called them my single girl suppers because I was single in New York City for so long. And it's like, you know, you get in the groove when you're doing takeout so often. It's like, okay, maybe you don't always have to order the deep fried everything for dinner. Maybe you can get the steamed shrimp and the mixed vegetables. And, you know, that's what we typically do. um, You know, on, on those occasions when I do work late, you know, we'll get... Take out Chinese, and I'll just get shrimp and vegetables with the brown rice. And it's like, it's perfectly fine for a once a week meal. But I was, I'm a big fan of those like pre prepped, minimally processed things. Like canned beans is definitely one. Frozen rice, like that, those frozen rice packs, first of all, dump it out of the plastic so you're not ingesting all those hormone disruptors. But you know, microwave that up, dump a half a can of black beans on there, throw some salsa and some avocado, and it's like, boom, you've got dinner, you know, in under five minutes. You know, and I think another strategy that I recommend is to automate whatever you can, you know, like. Have your grocery delivery list, you know, saved in instant cart so that you just go in and, you know, boop, and then you got your things. Even if you're doing like store pickup or something like that. The more you can automate, the better. And and also like anything that you are doing, it doesn't take any extra effort to double that.
1: Yeah. Doubling. Yes. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Batch cooking for sure.
0: Yeah, I would never cook, like, one serving of rice because it takes so long to cook. If I'm cooking rice, I'm cooking rice for the week, you know?
1: Exactly. So true. Yep. Totally. Agree. Batch it when you can.
0: Yeah. Batching. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so... Like me, uh, you always have nine million different things going on in your world. So, tell me all the things. Like, you recently launched a supplement line. You have a couple of online programs going on. Tell me, tell me all the things.
1: Yeah. So, I have my two online programs: Get Pregnant with PCOS, which is focused on PCOS management and fertility, um, and then I have the PCOS Boss Academy, which is focused on sustainable maintainable, uh, doable, uh, enjoyable. Okay. I'll stop weight loss, um, and PCOS management. So it's exclusively focused on kind of the weight management piece, um, and, you know, PCOS symptom control. Um, and so those two, uh, they just ran in December uh, or we started in on January 4th. So we'll probably be rerunning that in a few months. I don't have an exact date, but I typically will run those programs a few times a year, maybe depending on how I'm feeling. (laughs) So those are my, my two kind of top favoritist, favoritist programs. I absolutely love them. They're my babies. Um, I put a lot of work into them. So, um, those two, and then I have my PCOS um, supplement line, Vita PCOS that launched, um, this past fall and it has been so successful so far and so many glowing reviews on, um, how people are feeling, you know, supplements aren't everything. And I, you know, sometimes we, we look to them as the answer. They are supportive of everything else that you're doing. So I go through that in my programs. Um, but we've seen really great results from them so far, which is awesome to see. So any way that we can help, you know, women with PCOS and bettering their health. Um, and I'm, you know, I try to keep them as affordable as possible. There's some super expensive, unnecessarily so expensive, expensive supplements out there. So trying to, you know, keep PCOS affordable. Both of my programs are under 400 bucks for lifetime access. Um, and the supplements are all very more than reasonable. I'm really not making much on them, but I, I want to keep the prices lower because it's, you know, it's hard to access healthcare with PCOS. There's such a disparity in, you know, care here. So, um, and then I have my one-on-one work, which I still do. We'll see how i kind of play around with that over time, but I still do see clients one-on-one. So I love it. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of what I got going on. I, I do have a podcast at some point. It's like, totally, I don't have my poop in a group, So I'm not even talking talk about that, but maybe one day. <laughs> and I was at
0: some point, when I get my poop. Absolutely. And I hear what you're saying about, you know, the supplements. There's often so many that a person with PCOS can take, you know, whether they're doing the inositol or the fish oil, or, you know, then they start taking some hormone balancing supplements, and it just, it adds up, you know, so I I think it's, it's great that, you know, that's really your mission to make it more accessible for women. I definitely have to try the protein powder. What, what is it? Is
1: it pea based or? Um, No, it's actually collagen. So it's bovine collagen, Yeah. So that one, there's three flavors. All three of them are are really good. I like them all. So you can definitely check out the protein powders too. Oh, someone I saw uh, is selling like a 70, $75 PCOS prenatal. And so, yeah, that was kind of one of the main drivers in the price thing. Like there's no way I could justify Ever selling that to someone, we already struggle with so freaking much. Like we don't need to be spending 75 bucks a month on a prenatal. So yeah, the collagen, all the protein powder is very reasonable price. So <laughs> keep it awesome. that way.
0: Awesome. And I've been seeing you tagging people who are making hot chocolate with the
1: chocolate
0: flavored protein. That looks
1: so oh, good. It's so good.
0: Looks amazing. Um, I love that that sneaky way. I mean, because hot chocolate's such a you know, it's pure sugar and carbs, um, but it's such a nice treat during this time of
1: year. Yep, yeah, yeah, and my boyfriend likes it a lot too, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, good to know. I try to get my my husband to ingest more collagen, but is that, I mean, I, I generally put my collagen in my coffee unless I'm like yeah. sneaking it into things like muffins yeah. or things like that, so. Right.
1: yeah,
0: awesome, yeah. Yeah, so what, would you say would be one thing that you want people with PCOS to take away from this episode, maybe if they are in that place where they're struggling with weight loss?
1: I would say, I think the number one thing that comes to mind is um, wanting to work on weight management should not be shameful. And I think a lot of us, so many clients who i talk talked to are like, well, I hate to say this, but my number one goal is, you know, trying to feel better and and lose a little weight in the process and to not, not feel ashamed of wanting to better your health there. It's one thing. If you just want to lose weight to look good in a bikini that you can do that too. I support that a thousand percent too. But also I think that that whole notion of, you know, weight loss is this horrible thing where you hate yourself if you want to pursue it is so like, let's get rid of that. That's so old school. That is so old school we're moving on now. We're going into 2022 here, which is 2022 now. And, uh, weight loss is something that if you want to pursue, great, you can be, you can love yourself. You can love your body. You can you know, your partner can love your body. You can be feminist as hell, and you can still want to better your health and you can still want to manage your weight. That's okay. The two can coexist peacefully. So let's take away that stigma. I see a lot of that in the dietitian world, um, which really makes me sad because we've gone to these two polar extremes, where there really is a happy medium where we can work on something without doing it in a way that drives us crazy um, and is unhealthy. So I guess it's that. If you are wanting to work on weight management, you know, find a way to do it in a sustainable, fun way.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree. We we really have to meet people where they are and I've worked with many clients who are wanting to lose weight and it's almost never because they want to fit in a bikini. It's because their IVF clinic won't work with them till their BMI is below a certain number or, you know, their weight is affecting their job or their ability to do the things that they want to be doing and, you know, or they're just not feeling good, you know, they're not feeling good at that weight. and you know, almost none of them have unrealistic expectations. None of them are coming in saying, I want to weigh 95 pounds. It's
1: like, yes. no,
0: I just want to get kind of back to a place where I, I know I felt good and that was good for me. And I mean, just bottom line, like period, like we need to stop judging women like entirely. You know, it's so hypocritical that it's like, you know, we can shave our legs and put fake eyelashes on. In the meantime, everyone's putting all these crazy filters on on social media anyway. But it's like, you know, admitting that you want to lose weight is somehow bad or means that you feel bad about your body or have a negative body image. And I think it's not necessarily that way. Um, You know, we do have to be conscious of the fact that Eating disorders are higher in people with PCOS compared to people without PCOS. But, you know, we can't just assume that everyone is coming from a disordered place simply because they have the desire to lose
1: weight. Yep. So true. Very, very true. And anyone who comes to me with that, you know, I, I counsel them first. You know, I don't work in eating disorders, but happy to, to help you in a, you know, in a way that makes sense for you and, you know, be sensitive to that. So very, very true.
0: Yeah. Same. I think it's important, um, to note that, that, you know, I'm sure you are as well screening people thoroughly before working with them and, and really digging into things like motivation and what, what they, why they want to lose weight because, you know, you know, too, uh, losing weight isn't a magic bullet. For PCOS. And so, you know, assuming that that's the reason why you're having symptoms, you know, it's not all about that.
1: Right. So true.
0: Well, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much, Corey, for for joining me today. Um, Tell the audience uh, where they can find you and where they can find your programs and your supplement.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, my Instagram is the same as my TikTok, which is the same as my website, The Women's Dietitian. Um, so that's me. You can find my supplements on my website and more information on my programs on my website too, under PCOS programs. And then, uh, you know, on my Instagram, I talk about supplements a lot. Um, I have a highlight reel called supplements. Um, I have a highlight reel called fertility and weight loss that talk about the other two programs that I run. So definitely, you know, check those out and I would love to meet you. Mosey on over to my page.
0: So thanks for having me, Melissa. All right. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Thank you everyone for listening to the episode and we'll see you next week for next week's episode of Hormonally Yours with the Hormone Dietitian. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hormonally Yours with the Hormone Dietitian. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you could open up the podcast app you're probably using to listen to this episode right now and leave a quick rating or review. Your reviews help this podcast get seen by more women who could benefit from the information I share here. Stay tuned for our next episode. And in the meantime, stay balanced.